Modern Manhood is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation's Well Endowed Podcast. On their 50th episode, congratulations everyone over there, by the way, Chris Chang-Yang Phillips shares a special story about one night at a historic Alberta hotel. And they sit down with Rochelle Venn, CEO of the Institute of the Advancement of Aboriginal Women. She talks about why it's important to recognize the obstacles faced by Indigenous women in Alberta. You can find this and all the episodes of the Well Endowed Podcast at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Modern Manhood is also brought to you by Park Power. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your energy from, so why not make it Park Power? Park Power has low overhead, and chances are you'll save money if you switch. And you can find out exactly how much money you would save by visiting parkpower.ca and plugging your numbers into the Alberta Energy Savings Calculator. Energy is a big thing in Alberta, and we all want to save as much money as we can. So if you decide to switch, it's very, very easy. Nothing changes about your service, only the price that you pay. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Toxic masculinity. It's what many people think this podcast is about. It's a term that comes loaded with many different definitions. All right, let's, here's two of them. The New York Times' Maya Salam describes toxic masculinity as what can come of teaching boys that they can't express emotion openly, that they have to be tough all the time, and that anything other than that makes them feminine or weak. Michael Salter from The Atlantic says it distinguishes toxic traits such as aggression and self-entitlement from healthy masculinity. Those are two different sources, but many different ways to talk about toxic masculinity. Either we talk about through gender roles, nominations, expression of emotions, or the opposite of healthy masculinity, whatever that looks like. And what can be noted as traditional. I mean, both of them are right, but both of them add to the confusion of what toxic masculinity is. It's a phrase that is now entrenched in our vernacular. So I ask, does the media get this essential part right? Does the media do a good job at describing what toxic masculinity is? This is Modern Manhood. Modern Manhood is brought to you by Next Gen Men and the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by TV. If you want to support Next Gen Men, empowering young men, and helping to shape the future of inclusivity in your community, please go check out patreon.com slash nextgenmen. Big shout out to Zoe Wolpert-Patterson and Bob St. Jocks for helping us out. And if you can too, by going to patreon.com slash nextgenmen. Bullying. The Me Too movement against... Tonight, a men's razor commercial without a single shot of razors. Is this the best a man can get? Instead, scene after scene, questioning masculinity in the age of Me Too. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. After 30 years, the company Gillette giving a modern twist to the best a man can get, showing viral moments of men confronting bullies. So how we treat each other, okay? But now the commercial itself is going viral. Gillette dropping that ad last year was a big deal in the masculinity realm. There have been other companies that have jumped on the anti-toxic masculinity bandwagon before, but... Nothing as big as this. Because of this, last year was the apex of the toxic masculinity hot take. A lot of news medias, if they haven't already, or even if they had, were going to run a piece on the ad and connecting it to toxic masculinity or connecting it to something around masculinity in general. Thus, again, we had the debate of the word 
toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity is a fraught term. It's very fraught. Um, if you ask people in my city if they have heard the term toxic masculinity, I would wager that most would say yes, but then ask them to define it, and a lot of them would give out different answers. Some stemming from the actual word itself, toxic and masculine, and assume that what the word means is that all males are toxic. And as uh, Joe Rogan here, a man whose audience is in the millions, completely misses the mark about this and then gets mad about it. But this looks, that's not, I'm a nice guy. That's not bad. And of for, course but not. the problem is in this society, male energy, male thinking, male energy is vilified. And you're, you're taught to think there's something wrong with being masculine. Being masculine is the reason why we don't speak German. Okay? Stop. Uh, exactly. Talk about toxic masculinity. You could, you'll be the poster boy for that shit. Well, the whole reason why you need <laughs> male people is because there's male people other places that will take away your shit and kill your people and, and exactly. rape. Exactly. This is not a bad thing. Male does not equal evil. Just because there are evil men, they are evil men. It doesn't mean all men are evil. There's evil women, too. It doesn't mean all women are evil. I dated three of them. I, I, bet, you, I bet you dated more than three. Let's be honest. Yeah. The thing is... I would not expect Joe Rogan to say anything different there. That's just the kind of guy he is. I mean, I do think he needs to do better at this. Um, and I think that's not his best showing. But, I mean, if if I hear something about Joe Rogan and toxic masculinity, I would assume that this is what would come out. I do think, though, others that are in better positions should do better. And those people have also misinterpreted the term to think all men are toxic. The hashtag MeToo movement claimed two new victims, common sense and male dignity. The target of this razor-sharp rage, Gillette. You know, they're the big shaving firm, or make that they were the big shaving people. For reasons known only to their own virtue-signalling selves, they chose to launch a new ad in the US showing men trying to stop some simple old roughhousing between boys at a barbecue, reprimanding young men for finding women attractive, and essentially supporting the notion most men are sex-crazed, harassing, law-breaking bullies. But a lot of... There's been some pushback. Yeah, to this, a lot of pushback. To this, a lot of pushback to this ad, and some people calling for boycotting the company. So I'm just curious, when you watched the ad, what was your initial feeling? Um, okay, so first of all, I, it, I felt it was a bit reductive, meaning it kind of went to the worst possible scenario in, in each one, and they tried to pack a lot in a minute and a half. I think one clarification is not all masculinity is toxic when we talk about that term, and it's not about the individual, because whenever I have this conversation with my husband, I'm like, this isn't mean that you did this. Yeah. As a society over time, we created an image of what men and boys should be. So when, um, as a man, when you watch that, you shouldn't see that it's directed right at you. It's saying we all did this as a society. So I think it's important, Carla and I were both saying, yeah. it starts a conversation, which I think is the important thing. I don't think they hit the mark because I'm more inspired in advertisements when you say like like Nike run like a girl it doesn't mean what it used to I'm like let's go run like I need I'm motivated by positive messaging so this felt it, it just missed the mark for me yeah 
Now, those two clips are from Sky News over in England and also from Good Morning America uh, from ABC. So I would hope to be a little bit more out from them than Joe Rogan. Um, yeah. And other definitions of the term stem from what the overarching missions and values of the pro-feminist masculinity movement is. You know, talking about gender norms, talking about aggression, talking about uh, restrictive emotionality, things like that. A lot of people believe that anything I talk about specifically is about toxic masculinity. And I would wager that's not right. Michael Salter from The Atlantic, the person that we mentioned right at the top of the bat, uh, mentioned that toxic masculinity has served more as a barometer for the gender politics of its day and as an arrow toward the subtler, shifting causes of violence and sexism. So when people hear the word toxic masculinity, it falls more now as a political talking point and maybe as a point where someone needs to choose sides. And when people who are more risk averse and they don't really want to choose sides or don't want to talk politics, they don't even want to hear the term toxic masculinity. I mean, who would want to have that kind of fight when you're just having a conversation? And by the way, this is not the fault of the word toxic masculinity or the definition or what it stands for. It's in fact the fault of the media themselves for misunderstanding the term and then running with the bad definition. But, but let's not forget, this is an advert for razor blades. Mm. You know, I don't know what Gillette were thinking of here in terms of PR and business. You know, they're, they're, they're signal boosting the very, very worst things about men. If I was a bloke, I'd never buy anything from them ever again. But, but mostly this ad is predicated on the fact that all men are bad and that they have to be taught how to be good. And I don't think that's very good because all men are not bad. And, and I, just, I just think yeah. it's not Gillette's job to be teaching people how to be good men. It's not their job to make political statements. And, and especially, I don't want to take lectures from a company whose main motivation is profit. Yeah. Toxic masculinity as a term came from the early 80s and the early 90s mythopoetic men's movement. If you had any guy that has ever mentioned going out into the wild to find your inner masculine, well, that's a guy that took in the mythopoetic movement to its full extreme. It's a movement that started by Robert Bly, which uses old mythology and the German Iron John myth, and he wrote a book about this called Iron John. Um, he took that myth for cause for men to search for the so-called mature masculine through a historical lens. This is Robert Bly in 1989. In the ancient times, uh, up until 200 years ago or so, when you worked with your father, and most, mostly night and day, whether you were in a craft culture, a hunting culture, agricultural co uh, culture, your father fed you something on the cellular level. By being a foot or two from him, you received something from him. It wasn't a change in your mind. I don't think so. I think it was a feeding at a cellular level that you received. Another way you can put it is that, is that you got, by being near your father, you got your body retuned to the masculine frequency. Now, the masculine frequency and the female frequency are very different. You were tuned to the female frequency in the womb and for several years afterwards. And if you didn't tune well, you died. So all of us here knew how to tune to that frequency, and we could hear our mother's voice with the most incredible accuracy, probably in the womb and afterwards, knowing what is going on there. That's a wonderful tuning. 
It's a wonderful tuning. But somewhere along in that thing, the bodies need to be retuned to the frequency that comes from an adult masculine body. And a lot of young men in this country are living with no adult male in the house. And I remember the police chief of Detroit said the young males that I arrest not only do not know a responsible male, they've never met one. So in the case of this movement, to become this so-called mature masculine, you have to shed yourself of the toxic masculine or toxic masculinity. Does that make sense? It's also a little symbolic, and it takes a lot from Carl Jung's way, how he looks at symbolism, archetypes, myth, and spirituality. And to be honest, it's something I don't truly fully buy. One of the main one of the main critiques I have of that movement is their lack of true analysis and uh, future forward thinking. It's kind of the same critiques I have of Jordan Peterson, to be honest, and who I believe is much more in the mythopoetic Jungian form of the self help guru than anybody else, and that's probably why he's becoming so popular, is because it's it's clamping into what that movement in the 80s and 90s had, which is this thought of, of this mythical, spiritual, ideal man. It also lacks this real cooperative spirit with other genders, including women. But I digress. Just because toxic masculinity came from a troubled, controversial movement in my eyes, it did come from men. And it's interesting that it's been adopted by feminists and people who care about gender to show what the toxic traits of traditional masculinity is. It's like we kind of co-opted this term. So the question is, what is toxic masculinity really? Okay, so we're going to start a different segment here where we discuss the different wolf packs in the nation and what they're going to be talking about. So we hear someone getting to the themes of wolf pack every month. And we're going to start with the Edmonton one, because that's where I'm from. So on July 29th, we're doing our monthly wolf pack here in Edmonton at Cartago, where we're going to talk about gender and work. And I want to introduce you to Veronica Illich, my co-host for that evening, to explain the themes. Hey, my name is Veronica, and I'm one of the coordinators of Men Edmonton and the sometimes host of Wolfpack YEG. This month at Wolfpack, we are talking about the gendered world of paid work. So what do we mean when we talk about workplaces being gendered? Well, if we go back to looking at what gender is, it's basically talking about masculinity and femininity. So how a society defines those things at any given point. Gender is socially constructed. And what that means is that society's ideas about masculinity and femininity differ depending on where you are, who you are, and when you are living. What I mean by this is that society's ideas about gender vary across cultures, um, individually, between persons, and also depend on the era in which you live. Now, the idea that people have a gender is probably not a strange one to you, but maybe the idea that workplaces have genders is a weird one, so I'll explain a little bit. The workplace isn't just a gender-neutral space. It's a central site for the creation and reproduction of gender differences and gender inequality in a given society. So both men and women are constrained to act in certain ways, both by their organizational hierarchies, their job descriptions, and informal workplace cultures that are based on deeply embedded assumptions about masculinity and femininity. 
One of the more obvious ways that we can look at the gendering of workplaces is to look at who is working in which positions and then who is working in which industries. So as you probably know, we do have industries that are female dominated. So areas like nursing, teaching, library technologies, social work, and secretarial work. And then we have industries that appear to be male dominated still, such as construction, engineering, and law enforcement. Another important way that we can look at this is to look at the gender segregation existing within organizations. Because while we know that today it is absolutely the norm for women to be working outside of their homes, uh, it is still men who are occupying the most prestigious jobs and the highest positions of organizational power. So all of that being said, this month at Wolfpack YEG, we are going to talk to some men and women who work in um, non-traditional in terms of gender work fields. So like men who are, um, for instance, elementary school teachers or women who are engineers, we're going to be chatting with them about why they chose the job they currently have, uh, whether or not earning potential was something that they looked at when considering their jobs, if that was really important to them or not. Um, we're going to ask them about social pressures that led them into that job and maybe away from others. And we're going to talk about whether or not they felt the need to justify their choice of occupation to other people. We'll also talk about concepts like the glass ceiling uh, and the glass escalator. So the glass ceiling is the barriers presented to women and other minorities that are usually informal, unconscious, or invisible um, that prohibit their advancement, even if they're qualified, within a given organization. Another concept we might touch on is the glass escalator effect. So this is the phenomenon where men in female-dominated occupations actually experience preferential hiring and promotion. We'll have a lot of questions for our speakers about their workplaces, whether or not they feel accepted, whether or not they feel their work is valued, and whether or not their gender has played a part in creating benefits or challenges for them. Some other things we might also discuss would be parental leave from work um, and kind of our laws in Canada around that as well as the sometimes controversial idea of the gender pay gap. And then hopefully we will also discuss the idea of unpaid work and the second shift and the third shift, which are pretty cool ways of explaining some of the invisible work that usually women do. So as you can see, there is so much to talk about at this month's Wolfpack, and we hope you'll join us on Monday, July 29th at 7 p.m. at Cartago. Cartago is located on 82nd Street and 106th Avenue in the Forest Heights area. As always, the events are by donation, and you can get your tickets on Eventbrite or simply bring cash to donate at the door. Hope to see you there. Wolfpack in Edmonton is at... Cartago at 7 p.m. on July 29th. Wolfpack in Vancouver is on July 30th at 7 p.m. at Deloitte, and they're going to talk about body image. And Wolfpack in Toronto will be on July 31st at Playground Incorporated, and they will talk about masculinity and sports. If you want to go, if you want to go into the door, and you want to find out your community, please go check out nextgenmen.ca. You'll find out more information. first time in its history, the American Psychological Association released guidelines concerning men and boys saying that so-called traditional masculinity not only is harmful but could also lead to homophobia and sexual harassment. 
And the main thrust is that traditional masculinity, which you that's are called, the great defender that's of, called by the being way, a man, by the way, marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression, is on the whole stoicism harmful. and competitiveness are now evil things. They're harmful. It's harmful to be stoic. It's harmful to be competitive. Mm. Uh, it's, tr it's psychologically harmful, and socialising boys to suppress their emotions causes damage. So what we've got to do, you've got to sit your boys down. I've got three boys. Well, I've really, I've really got this wrong. I should have, rather than saying to them, come on, lads, life's tough, let's crack on. How are we going to deal with life's problems? You know, if you lose at football, come and have a chat with me. Let's, Man let's up. Rather than, you know, but rather than saying like I used to, which is, you've got to play a bit better, son. Score more goals, son. This is how you do it, son. Let's go and train, go and practice. Let's dig deep. Let's be strong. Let's be stoic. Let's be competitive. Let's try and win. Oh, no. I got it all wrong. Actually, what I should have done was say, come here, come here, come. Have a good cry. Come on. Come on. Keep crying. Keep... And next day, come on. Keep, keep crying. No. The only answer to everything in life is to keep crying. That's Absolutely Crying. not no, what they're saying. Don't be stoic. What they're saying... Don't be competitive. Stoicism and competitive is harmful. Yes, trapping... What a load of nonsense. Trapping boys in that stereotype of masculinity... Who's trapping them? ..is harmful. What and a load... Who's trapping boys to be in touch to be stoic. with emotions? That's our boy, Piers Morgan, just blathering off about how crying is wrong. And yes, I know, he is a wrong example of what is average in the media. It's like getting Don Cherry and saying this is an example of hockey media. <laughs> it's not right. But his reaction to the American Psychological Association's guideline of traditional masculinity is pretty expected. And kind of proves their point, to be honest. Here's what the APA mentions about traditional masculinity. Quote, Because of the way many men have been brought up to be self-sufficient and able to take care of themselves, any sense that things aren't okay needs to be kept secret, Rubinowitz says. Part of what happens is men who keep things to themselves look outward and see that no one else is sharing any of the conflicts that they feel inside. That makes them feel isolated. They think they're alone. They think they're weak. And they think they're not okay. They don't realize that other men are also harboring private thoughts and private emotions and private conflicts. Continuing, and, for this reason, mental health professionals need to be aware that men are often reluctant to admit vulnerability, says Frederick Rabinowitz, PhD, a psychologist at the University of Redlands in California. Now, Piers Morgan is a man that cannot admit vulnerability. And it shows full-heartedly in not just this, but in anything he does. A lot of people can agree that Morgan is kind of the poster boy of leaning into traditional masculinity ideology. He's an easy target. But this is Warren Farrell, a writer who is part of the men's movement in the 90s and definitely someone who MRAs and pro-feminists have looked to to provide insight. Um, uh, but where the APA completely misses the point is that they, they think of, they're talking about male privilege and male power and men being part of the patriarchy. Uh, nothing could be further th from the truth than that analysis of masculinity. Um, the, the male privilege is um, when men felt obligated to be a, to die in war, it was so others would live. Sacrifice is not male privilege. Being willing to think in World War I, there were 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of boys that even though the, the age to get involved in World War I uh, to be drafted was 18, many, many boys felt that they needed to serve the country at age 15, 16, and 17. And so you had boys way before the age of consent being willing to sacrifice themselves. This is part of heroic masculinity. Um, but to call that male privilege and to call power, to call it power to feel obligated as a man to earn money that somebody else spends while he dies sooner is not male privilege. Now, what Farrell mentions, the idea that men have little privilege because they are enlisted in war, it's a very typical retort that is rooted not only in traditional masculinity, which, again, the APA mentions in its guidelines. Quote, the APA, Though men benefit from patriarchy, they are also impined upon by patriarchy, says Ronald F. Levant, ED. The same ideas that bring young men to war are the same ones that words like toxic masculinity and traditional masculinity is fighting against. When we say toxic masculinity solved World War II, it also started World War II. It's such a weird point of view in my eyes. And I pick on Farrell specifically just because he writes about masculinity. He is a person that is involved in the masculinity sphere. Pierce Morgan is not, but Farrell is. And for some reason, we don't have a critique of this. Yet here we are questioning and going in circles about what is toxic masculinity or even traditional masculinity is, and why do so many people just fail to engage in the topic in the most appropriate and correct way? Traditional masculinity, as the APA notes, is the belief of dominant masculine norms and identities. The belief that all men must be stoic or all men must be strong, and if not, they are not men. Toxic masculinity is those traits that people who believe in traditional masculinity act out and create toxic ways of living. Again, Wikipedia, right at the start, it says, Traditional stereotypes of men as socially dominant, along with related traits such as misogyny and homophobia, can be considered toxic due in part to the promotion of violence, including sexual assault and domestic violence. Why can't the media get this right? When we talk about toxic masculinity, we cannot be talking about how masculinity is toxic. We have to start talking about men who believe in traditional masculinity can sometimes act in toxic ways. The APA and the Gillette ad never talked about all men being toxic. And the reason why a lot of media have clinged to this perspective is also a very high example of the defensiveness of traditional masculinity. Yet, these are the examples that I get from the media. So I ask myself, is talking about toxic masculinity something that I'm overblowing? My name is David Yan. I created Perspectives YYC here in Calgary. Hey, it's Carl Landra, and I am one of the hosts of the Fourth Line Hockey Podcast. David Young and Carl Landra, both members of the Alberta Podcast Network, um, agreed to test out something with me and agreed to be on the show uh, so I can be able to test out some questions around toxic masculinity and the media in general. And I gave them three headlines, and I asked them which of them would they want to read. I want to give you three uh, articles of like three. I'm not going to, you're not going to read them. I'm just going to give you the, the headline of these articles. And you're going to tell me which one sure. you feel that you would read. Um, so the first one is called 
the problem with the fight against toxic masculinity. Okay, it's by The Atlantic, called The Problem with the Fight Against Toxic Masculinity. That's number one. Got it? Second one is traditional, this is by the New York Times, traditional masculinity can hurt boys, says new APA guidelines. That's by the New York Times. And the third one is uh, Mary Claire, uh, how the bachelorette rewards toxic masculinity. Which one of these three would you be most likely to click on? Probably the second one. The second one. Why yeah. so? I don't know. Um, what was the title again? I'm well, just going traditional to masculinity can hurt boys, says new APA ah. guidelines. Well, I think the idea of um, the use of the word traditional masculinity is compelling in this mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. of... Uh, you know, I'm 41. So uh, the way that I was raised when I was a little kid versus how I saw the idea of boys as I'm in my mid twenties and thirties, now raising a boy, uh, the language and narratives, all the roles, they're all becoming mashed up together. And I think becoming more extreme. So the people that are in a traditional role are becoming like everything in politics or conversation, uh, more angry. Right and uh, and more defensive and more violent essentially. So, um, you know that title starts off with something where I'm very wary and, and mm. interested in someone's definition of the idea of traditional um, from a historical perspective. And then you know coming out, I'd have to read the article to see. Yeah, if for sure. They actually have some truly scientific guidelines in which they were trying to approach it. Cause so much statistical things on the internet are, are total BS. But um, yeah, I think that's one of the things that would draw me to the second one. Um, the third one, I would say no, because uh, fuck the Blight Shiller and anybody <laughs> that uh, takes anything out of those kind of shows. Right. Um, that's just me being yeah. a dick and, and having too much opinions. Um, and the first one felt uh, like I was kind of explaining there's a violence in the language, I think, in my mind. There's mm. um, there's this rhetoric of uh, of a battle or a war or, mm. or something, and I, I just find that kind of... Uh, unnecessary Um, yeah that's my intuitive thought right now yeah okay so first article is from the new york times it's called what is toxic masculinity okay that's the first article um second article same from the new york times it's called traditional masculinity can hurt boys says new apa guidelines that's the second one uh, the third one from the Christian perspective, it's called Jesus is the true definition of masculinity. Coffee company helps <clears throat> coffee company helps single moms rebuffing toxic masculinity. Which one of these three would you click on? Ooh, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say none. <laughs> um, if <laughs> I was, if I was to go through, so the first one, what is masculinity? What is, is toxic masculinity? What is toxic mas- masculinity? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would pass on that one. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I don't need another like surface level generalized thing. Like we've all heard about it. We know what it is. Uh, it just feels like, you know, we're trying to give people up to speed and that's fine. There's, yeah. there's obviously people who are going to read that. There's some people who need it, but no, I'm, I'm going to pass on that. Okay. Um, now I, I guess the second one at yeah. this point in time, I wouldn't read it, but I literally did read it when I saw actually from you, I saw you post it yeah. uh, and, and we chatted about that on mm-hmm. the, on the lines when that article was released. Yeah. And 
And so I guess I would read that one. Okay. Um, and did read it. So traditional masculinity can hurt boys says new APA guidelines. Cool, cool. I guess I like I, I read about the APA guidelines and all mm-hmm. of their stuff, just trying to figure out what like why was it a big deal? Because it wasn't that uh, I was trying to figure out like what was the deal? Like why why is this something that's important? Why is this something right. that matters? Um, the last one I started because it's a lengthy headline. Yeah. Um, Jesus I started, is the true definition of masculinity. Coffee company helps single moms rebuffing toxic masculinity. Okay, so uh, I at the start of that, I was like, ooh, I'm probably not going to read this one. By the time you ended the, t- the headline, I'd cycled back around. I was like, okay, I'm interested to know what they're doing. Um, yeah. Goodness. And so I, I want to know what kind of initiatives they're being a part of. So that, yeah, that's another one I would read. So I guess I started started this by saying I would read any of them, and turns out I would actually read two out of three. So it's interesting that one of them picked kind of a clickbaity article and one of them didn't, um, but both were kind of, you know, interested in thinking deeper about toxic masculinity. And yeah, I know David and Carl are more thoughtful individuals and I, and I knew that they would be um, and care more about ideas and topics that they read. So maybe it's not the most ideal person in regards to thinking about the average uh, consumer or the average person who is thinking about the media. Um, but I picked them because they're, first of all, they're awesome people. And second of all, um, I wanted to hear their thoughts. And so I asked them if they do get a chance to talk about toxic masculinity and what it means to them. I'm very curious as to your thoughts of the word toxic masculinity. What are the emotions that come when you, when you hear the word toxic masculinity? Yeah, I don't know. I think... Uh... Toxic masculinity. I mean, the idea of toxic masculinity is, yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, when I think of the word toxic, I'm thinking poisonous, violent, um, selfish, um, damaging. Um, and then masculinity for me comes from an age of, you know, Arnold and He-Man and, yeah. you know, huge pecs and, uh, you know, female characters with their with their boobs out, and I don't like this idea of like one of the some of the new Netflix shows. One of them I really detest. I can't remember what it's called, but you know they have these women superheroes, but they all have to go to in the end to find a man to win a war. You know, they mm-hmm. joke about that, and I think Ralph breaks the internet with uh, with the princess room, which I thought was kind of funny. But yeah, um, you know this this idea of. Uh, of the, I think it's a very Western North America thing of the the man as a sole gunfighter, as a man as this, you know, tough, grizzled, uh, you just shut your mouth and you know get through it type of asshole. Uh, mm-hmm. This guy that like lifts everybody up on their back and has to win and win and win at all costs. Uh, this is kind of the concept of masculinity I grew up with. Uh, maybe not so direct, but you know, through sports, through parenting, through peer groups. I mean, you have thirty eight, so. You know, joking around with dudes when you're in your teen was, you know, calling each other, yeah, using these words, right? Like, right. Yeah. Absolutely. These, uh, yeah. So I, I'm sitting now in, in hindsight thinking, um, yeah, the toxicity is not just how it's hurt other people and how it's, for example, you know, harmed women, uh, you know, uh, the... Uh, um, LGBTQ uh, community, mm-hmm. uh, um, like 
everybody. It also is a problem for us because we end up idolizing these roles that are insane. Yeah. <laughs> and like destructive. I mean, I, uh, you know, I'm not fit, but I have uh, body dysmorphia sometimes because mm-hmm. I wonder if my pecs are supposed to stick out from my fucking t-shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, all this weird visual imagery. If my wife um, asked me a problem and this idea of mansplaining because the man always has to have the winning answer in a conversation. I mean, that's a thing I've become very um, aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to listen and uh, connect with other human beings just on a purely, let's say, spiritual, intuitive, uh, human level um, becomes poison. It's, it's toxic um, because we have uh, a self-perception issue of how I'm supposed to be. I need to win this or I need to be smarter than that guy. Or when this other person says something I don't know, I actually feel, you know, like self-destruct, uh, not sort of um, self-deprecating. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, that guy did win that shit. Like, I'm a loser. Everybody knows, you know, it's like that kind of... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Language, speed modality, it's dangerous. Think of the definition or like the term toxic masculinity. What is, if when you hear it, what do you think of? I think of, uh, I'll try to, I guess, in trying to not stereotype, I don't want to, I don't want to wrap it up too much with it. Um, so I'll try to keep it as generalized as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I hear that, I think of, uh, you know, people being disrespectful um, in a way that puts the the fact that they are a man uh, above somebody else for for simply that reason alone. So when I think of tos- toxic masculinity, that's the first thing I think of, and so that takes on so many different ways. So essentially, my masculinity trumps everything else about who you are because you are less masculine than me, mm-hmm. uh, and so in Anyway, that you're using that power over somebody else, uh, that to me is toxic. And it, yeah, takes on mm-hmm. so many different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you hear people in your circle, uh, friends or your, your network, use the term toxic masculinity a lot? I don't think so. No. Like I, I, I most more so hear it online. Like mm-hmm. I hear it in the news, I hear it in places, but day to day, not really. I mean, those literal words I do not hear. I hear the descriptions of what I assume to be toxic. To- that is a hard word to say. Yeah, toxic yeah. masculinity. Uh, you know, those things that we speak out against and negatively about are labeled as that or something I would label as that. And I'm sure many others would. Um, and speaking of and about and against that, but uh, the actual phrase, much less. So maybe it's a little bit overblown. Hey, but maybe it's something that we still need to think about more. I'm not sure. And then David said something that kind of threw me back. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I definitely don't have this specific and driven car- conversation with anybody about it. Um, so I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, I, I, my, maybe my flip to that would be to ask you, essentially what your end game is. I mean, is it that we have more men specifically having this conversation or is it that just by having it out in the milieu, uh, you know, men as generation after generation and women and 
and whatever we identify with as uh, a gender, sex, or, or you know, spiritual formation, um, that we just start. And should we be aiming that there are just no more roles at all, um, which is kind of a weird, a weird end game too. You know, this yeah, purely absolutely. androgynous uh, uh, state, which is an extreme. Is it, you know, is it better that I'm just not aware at all? You know, is there, a, a, let's say, a surrender element where, um, you know, some guy walks by and uh, I don't know, like, what's a talk, what's a masculine thing? You know, like, yep, where the, the rhetoric's about winning or yep. or they they stare you down in a thing because it's about aggression or, um, you know, they post about how um, you know their their girl looks like this because their dick's like this or whatever right. it is. Right. Um, this comparative and sort of like, yeah, at least, yeah. Sort of, you know, my shrink just talked to me about zero, zero sum game or zero yep. game theory, whatever it is, but zero sum game, yeah. Because I'm winning, you lose, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Is it that we rally against it or is that we just don't give a shit anymore? What is the end game? That's a great question. And likely a topic for a full-blown episode, to be honest, but it's something to note specifically, talking about toxic masculinity and talking about how the general population talks about masculinity. There doesn't seem to be an outcome or uh, a why. Why are we talking about this? Masculinity and gender is a huge topic of discussion because it affects us in our daily lives, and it affects our identity. It's why the Gillette ad struck a powerful nerve. But I'm still shocked at how we still cannot find the language to give it justice. Join us next time when we'll continue this conversation about masculinity in the media and talk about the ever-present woke dude. All episodes of Modern Manhood are archived at modernmanhood.org or you can just find us wherever you get your awesome podcast. I'm Herman Vijegas, and we'll see you next time on Modern Manhood. <laughs>